This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. In this 20th episode of Radiant Reflections, Pastor Josh Harama, myself, Pastor Josh Brown, we talk more about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here's your host of Radiant Reflections, Pastor Josh Harama. Well, hey, and welcome to episode 20 of Radiant Reflections, podcast of Radiant Life Church. My name is Josh Harrell. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am joined today, just like last week. I think it was, was that last week? Two weeks. Two uh, weeks ago. No, I think it was last week. Wasn't it episode 19? No, episode was me and Ryan. So anyways, a couple, yeah. a couple episodes ago, Something. I was here with Pastor Josh Brown, <laughs> and uh, Pastor Josh Brown joins me yeah. once again. How goes it? It's good. It's good. I have a good coffee drink this morning. Um, Would you say, I, now, what did you say? This is a this is a Japanese Mexican cold it's a, brew? Yeah, so it's a Japanese cold brew method of making coffee, but the bean is from Ruby Roasters, and it's a Mexican calatin. I don't even know how to say the word, um, but the bean is from Mexico. So what is, a, I mean, like you go to the coffee shop and you get a cold brew. Right. right? What is the difference between that and a Japanese okay. cold brew? Right, so a regular cold brew is when you immerse uh, coarse ground coffee for 24 hours uh, in cold water, and then you strain it and you might filter again. That's a traditional cold brew coffee. So Japanese cold brew is when you take half the volume of of the overall brew water, and you have 50% uh, ice and then 50% boiling water. And so you brew a hot method, uh, you know, a hot... Uh, right over your ice. So mm. it very, very quickly takes steaming hot 205 degree coffee and cools it down very quickly. So it's a much smoother than a cold brew. It's more like a nitro without the nitrogen. So there you go. Yeah, I am a coffee dork. Yeah, for those so of you, you that know. Uh, don't know this about Pastor JB, yes. uh, he is a, I don't know that I would say coffee dork. I would say that he's a coffee, uh, there's like a, what's the word? I like, literally kind of like an expert. I, like I, a, I literally have tattoos of coffee <laughs> on my body. So yeah, uh, some people would say connoisseur. Connoisseur. I think that's the word. That's the word that I was looking for. Uh, that seems too fancy for the addiction that I call coffee. I don't know. You're doing like Japanese cold brew, half the weight, <laughs> certain temperature, certain. I don't know, but it's fun, it's, and it's the results good. are tasty. It's good. Yeah. I say he he brews a mean cup of coffee. <laughs> if, you've, uh, if you've never had a. Uh, JB cup of coffee. You have not lived yet. So. <laughs> I love making coffee. So if you're watching or listening and you want a cup of coffee, uh, let me know, send me a message and I'll, I'll make you a cup of coffee. There you go. Well, Hey, we, uh, yesterday we had episode seven in our series SWAT spiritual warfare and tactics and, uh, pastor JB explored the sword of the spirit. But first, before we talk about like the real stuff, yeah, Josh. I think uh, you know you you like movies, right? You like TV yeah, shows. Yeah, right? definitely. In all the TV shows and movies that you've ever watched, uh-huh. what is the most epic sword fight scene that you can think of? So I prepped for this. I got your questions, and I had to think about this. And right away, I was going to say a spaceship movie because that's what my answer. Of course, it is. <laughs> but for me, I'm going to say uh, Princess Bride. When Wesley is sword fighting, I don't know. In, the, in Inigo Montoya. In, 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 yes. Uh, uh, right around the cleft of the rock thing there. Yes. You killed my father. The whole thing. So yes. outside of Star Wars and okay. some of the epic lightsaber battles, which if you've never watched Star Wars and you want to see some good saber battles, 
There you go. But outside of that, Princess Bride would actually be. Oh, cool. That'll be mine. Okay, so, cool. So Here right on. I can uh, I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So in Scripture, right, we see we see as we read through the armor of God that the the sword of the Spirit is listed, and it says that this is the Word of God. Hmm. Now in the message, you you kind of looked at some of the some of the things that we can know about Scripture, some of the purposes or, or, or uses of Scripture. I mean, you talked about how you know we know that Scripture is sufficient. You know how you know there's a there's an, a standard of judgment, you, all these different things, but you you kind of landed on and ran with this idea of clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some reasons that you think that particular aspect of scripture is important? You know what you know within the current cultural climate that we yeah. live in, with within uh, the context of spiritual warfare, why is clarity? And in, in, in the clarity we get from Scripture so so key. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's because it's a solid standard, you know. Um, the clarity that it provides stands above all the other noise in culture. You know, we, we did. We talked about the influence of, of media. We talked about the influence of our own emotions, just how we feel on a daily basis, you know. Um, and then we talked about the devil's schemes, the, the, the tricks that he tries to play, and so you can get all these different ideas about what to believe, about right and wrong, and how to live your life uh, from the media, from TV, from Hollywood, from, from even each other. But having this, you know, this bedrock, essentially, you know, like this ground zero sort of place, uh, the infallible word of God, it's comforting and it brings clarity because it can be trusted. Oh, that's good. That's good. So you 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 also kind of use this imagery you know, in the message uh, about really. I mean, sharpen up was kind of yeah. the the end goal. Hey, we, like we have to have a sharp sword or a sharp yeah. knife. Right? But but what would you say to the person who says, "Well, isn't it you know? Hey, if I'm going into battle, isn't it better to have a, a dull knife than or a dull sword than no sword at all?" Yeah, because because sharpening a sword. Which side note, yeah. right? Like. Have you ever have you ever used a whetstone to like sharpen a knife? So I haven't, but here's what I was going to tell you. Before I was going to do the illustration that I was going to do with the tomatoes, which for those of you that saw the message, you saw what I did there. I actually have a a, a friend. He lives in Goshen. He is a master sword maker. Like he, the swords he makes, uh, they're samurai swords. And nice. he, yeah, they're, he sells them for ten and twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, they're very expensive. They're, you know, he inlays the. I mean, he'll make that little, whatever the thing is that's down by the bottom of the sword that protects your hand. You know, that that has a name, some Japanese name. But I mean, like he's a blacksmith. He he forges the iron and everything. Very serious. I was gonna have him come and do this whole thing because uh, he can <laughs> truly sharpen a knife in ways that I don't even dream of. But. So I was I was watching you know, so I've tried I've never used one effectively but I mean the amount of time that it takes to sharpen and I mean you can get Properly. it like I was watching I was watching yeah. these guys on YouTube right talking about sharpening yeah. and and like the things you can do with like they they test it on paper yeah like if you could like basically just graze paper with your it yeah. was it was like holy smoke There are people out there I I have another friend he lives in Colorado now that He's a weirdo about sharpening knives, and he can sharpen a knife so sharp that you can whittle hair, a single strand of hair. 
I'm just trying to figure out what the practice is. How do you not cut it right in half, right? I mean, whatever. What are you you doing, uh, whittling some hair? Yeah. You know, like, that'd be be nuts. But, point being, like, if you really want that sharp edge. Yes. Right. That takes a lot of time. It does. And, I mean, so so you've got maybe somebody saying, well, you know what, I can still... I can still use this right. dull knife. I can cut open Amazon boxes with this. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I have knives specifically <laughs> for that purpose. Like this knife right here, Josh has one too. Yeah. Right. This is like an all purpose. It, it has seen better days. It's not super sharp, but it's functional. It just does what I need it to do. Is that because you, you had a spider in your, in your I had it. a spider co. So that's not, that's not a spider co. No, this is, is a Kershaw, but my spider co, I got clear through security at O'Hare for a business trip. And I'm getting up to check out, and I'm getting my wallet out of my pocket. I'm like, oh. I had to throw my Spyderco <laughs> in the garbage. It was terrible because I was going to miss my flight. Anyway, your original question was, you know, is it okay or why, why does it matter if I am to go into a battle with a dull sword versus a sharp sword? So I, I'll speak personally. Um, I think when we consider what um, a sharp sword is, it's, it is something that over a period of time, has been honed, has been made to be sharp. Uh, Hebrews even says that, you know, that people who have exercised their senses over time have become stronger. They, they've they've uh, walked with the Lord for a period of time, so they may have a little more experience. I know for me, I was in the battle, we'll call it, of Christianity and life with a dull sword for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And here's what I learned uh, happens when you use a dull sword. When you see the scriptures outside of context, like when you're looking very myopically or, you know, with, with horse, horse blinders on. Um, is that the word, horse blinders? I don't think it is. I mean, I mean that's a thing. Yeah, 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 those things that keep Keeps them. Keeps you from seeing yeah, yeah. anything around you. Uh, but I don't know if that's the word. At any rate, uh, what happens when you kind of hone in on a single thing in Scripture, that knife becomes dull. And what happens is that when you begin to try to apply that knife to another person, um, rather than it doing the careful, careful surgical work that God intends with the Word of God, man, you get a gaping, infected wound. And I went around a lot of years, Josh, in judgment and condemnation of other people with a dull knife and hurting a lot of people, family, friends. Um, you know, Thankfully, the Lord has begun to restore those things, but it was, I really thought I knew what the Bible was saying, but in all honesty, it was a dull, limited, narrow representation of the entirety of who God is. Uh, so I would say the biggest reason that you need a sharpened knife is to be the most effective you can be for God. And that you hurt, we hurt people enough as humans, right? Like we're, we're just, we just do that. So I think to limit our, our normal capacity of being a butt, butthead to other people, <laughs> uh, that's that's our PC term for don't, radio don't be, reflections. Don't be a butt. Don't be a butthead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a jerk, which I was for a lot of years, and 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 um, uh, you need that sharp knife to be able to carefully and lovingly uh, be able to to speak truth into a person's life. Well, and and for those of you that are uh, listening or watching, go on go on YouTube and look up uh, surgical videos, right? I mean, in in the book of Hebrews, it, it uses this imagery. Uh, it talks about how it's you know, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Any, yes. But then it uses almost surgical terms. It talks about dividing joint and marrow, soul and spirit, you know, these, these mm-hmm. precision you know, type terms. So watch that surgical video. Now imagine if that surgeon went into the to surgery 
uh, with a butter knife. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought you were going to say, a butter knife. Like, yeah. I mean, that'd be, you, you'd, uh, you'd be hurting. So what you have is those movies. There's like 11 of them. Saw. See, I've never seen Saw. Any of those. I've never like, seen I'm, them either. I'm but not a, yeah, like, no. I don't like a horror. I don't do anything. horror either. But I think the premise is like the, they trapped people in these rooms and then like robotic or motorized mechanized saws would come out of the wall and, or the other person had to cut off one person's arm to get out of the room. Totally macabre, terrible, terrible. But that's the kind of scene I think of. Oh, you know, just that's butchering. That's you know, doing surgery with a circular saw. Bad news, <laughs> horror. Yeah, I don't want that surgeon. No, no, thank you. No. So, so it's important. Yeah. Sharpen, sharpen your knives because otherwise you're you're doing surgery with a butter knife. Because it does talk about you know I mean you talk about kind of your uh, approach to other people, right? But there's also this self-surgery type of aspect, right? As we apply the word of God to our own lives, right? If we have, if we have a sharp sword, we're going to be able to more accurately uh, weigh, what is it? I mean, some of the, I think some translations say it exposes the motives of the heart. I'm, I'm, yeah. In thoughts and intents of the heart is what NIV right. says. So, yeah. I mean, so if you, if you're trying to tease that out, like you, you need again that that precision yeah. instrument. Yeah. Uh, so, so sharpen your swords, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, sharpen. But uh, but in scripture, right? A lot of us, when we think of the sword of the spirit, we just we think our Bible, right? Maybe right. maybe I don't know. Growing up, we knew the churches I attended. We never really had a lot for for kids, mm-hmm. so we never did this. But I know some church traditions they do sword drills. Oh yeah. Right. Did you do we had this, system? I was never a part of this because I was, I was grown at this time, but we had these benches uh, that had a wooden flap on top of them, like with hinges, and underneath them uh, was a buzzer that when the kids stood up, uh, a buzzer went off, and it was a national competition. So we had kids at our school, or our church, in our youth group, in our elementary, that was, it was scripture memorization. So a panel would be on one side, and the panel would say, like, for God, so, meh. Love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that kid would win that round. And they, w- they would go and they would compete. I don't even remember what that was called. If you know what this is called and you're watching this on YouTube, comment. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, like, you know, you hear about sword drills. <clears throat> I think my kids have done this where it's like, you know, somebody is facilitating this and they're like, and everyone's got their Bible and you've got to start yep. with your Bible closed. And they say... First Peter one thirteen, oh. and then like the first person to get to First Peter one thirteen, sure, you know, stands up and they read it. You know, similar. I mean, God similar. forbid the the kid who gets Nahum, yeah. or Nahum, or, however you say. That's it. right. Where's Habakkuk? Yeah. I cannot find Habakkuk. <laughs> Those minor prophets, dude. I always, dude, I get jacked up. I'll be like, wait, totally. Wait, does Hosea come? Before, before or Daniel, after. Yeah. So here's what you do next time you do a sword drill. Tell your kids quickly to turn to the book of Spartacus. See, I always, we, always do, we always do the book of Hesitations. Hesitations. You've got first Flesholonians or second opinions. Nice. I like that. Now, Handy, this, so it's something that I still, I mean, it's almost every time I turn to either the book of uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, or Colossians. Colossians yeah. When I was a, a teenager, the pastor, the lead pastor at our church, he had this handy little mnemonic that he used to keep those organized, and I still remember it. And I still, almost every time I turn there, this goes through my mind. You remember it like this. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Gentiles eat pork chops. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I've never heard that one. 
<laughs> so there you go. There you go. That's so if you good. do a sword drill uh, yeah. and you need to find something in the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, or Colossians. There we go. Gentiles eat pork chaps. That would be in Galatians chapter three. That's right. Pastor Colossus, that one is uh, that one's for you, brother. <laughs> but awesome. uh, but no, so we think of we think of the word of God as as the Bible. Yes. Right. So so we think of going into battle with the Bible. But now there is, there's, and, and I want to get too lost in the weeds, although this is about going deeper, so, so maybe it's okay if we, we nerd out a little bit. The Greek word used here for the word of God is, is rhema. Mm-hmm. Versus in other places in scripture, we have the word logos or John logos, one. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. what, for the people that are out there that are like, they like to geek out about language stuff. Yeah. What's the difference, if yeah. anything, between rhema and logos? When we talk about the sword of the spirit, right. are we just talking about? Well, that means I need. I'm I'm reading my Bible, or is there yeah. another layer to that? Yeah. So the difference in those words that John one one says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word dwelt among us, became flesh and dwelt among us. That word there is logos. logos. So that means the written. Word of God. So that means this document that we have. Which was embodied in Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. John 1.14 tells us that he, he became flesh among us. The Word became flesh among us. Jesus was a living portrait, not a caricature, but a portrait of what the Bible is from Genesis to Revelation. He's perfect in all his ways. So Rhema is a little different. And in, in Ephesians 6, where it says that, um, the, the sword of the Spirit is the Rhema of God. Rhema uh, is more about specific, circumstantial, situational revelation. Mm. So a rhema is a, a, a discovery that is spoken by God to you in a moment where you need it. So I don't know how you... I have been in places before um, where all of a sudden you kind of get like, <laughs> like something, something is... Not right. You mm-hmm. don't know what it is, but something is not right. And, and sometimes that's the Holy Spirit giving you a specific rhema for that moment to tell you, uh, this might be a dangerous place, or this person that is speaking to you right now, they might not be being honest with you. Mm. Or f- for me, now this goes a little bit more into the um, charismatic side of things, but uh, when I pray for people for healing, uh, I will always ask God uh, to speak to me in that moment when I'm going to lay hands on a person to ask for healing. Uh, and sometimes the Lord will give me a word of knowledge or a rhema about that injury where I can say something to that person, hey, uh, is it here that you're hurting? It sounds strange. Please, I know that sounds strange, viewers, but it has happened. But but also, I mean, for those that are watching and listening, I mean, this is something that Scripture Talks about. Talks about. Yes. I mean, this is not this yeah. is not some hocus pocus. Yeah. Like, oh, like you're a fortune let, teller, you're a psychic. Let me give you a real life example of this. It happened last week, Arema. So for those of you that know uh, our main drummer, Dave Taylor, right? He plays drums with the worship team. Great guy, big part of our, our, our team. He has been working for three years to run a minute uh, a run a, a mile in under five minutes. And for those of you that know, that is like, whoa. That's, re- that's really fast. Like the fastest mile I ever ran in my life was in high school. It was like 520, right? Which is still pretty fast, but that was 20 million years ago. I don't know. <laughs> Long time. And Dave has been working and training. 
And he had a time trial coming up this past Saturday, the, uh, uh, July 11th. And uh, he asked me to pray for him that whole week just to pray that God would give him favor because he'd been busting his butt. Like, he's really been trying. And he had a couple attempts that it didn't, he was just a little over five minutes. And as I was praying for him all week, the Lord kept speaking the words stride to me, stride out. And I, I kept sensing this as I was praying for him. I'm like, just, you know, make, keep my brother healthy. Give him a beautiful day to run. You know, Lord, give him extra strength, the things that you'd pray. But I kept hearing this word, and I, I fought all week with wanting to call him and to say, hey, man, I, I think God's telling you you need to stride out. Well, Dave, like, knows his gait. Like, he knows, like, everything about his – he has a coach, like a running coach that hmm. – the way his feet hit the ground, like he's, he's super into it. He's, he's like I am about coffee with, with running. So I didn't call him because I didn't want to get into his head, right? right? I'm like, I don't want to affect him and screw up his run. So I, did, I just sat on it. So Saturday morning, he texted me a picture of his, of his watch, and he was 4.56. He ran the mile in under five minutes. He, he accomplished his goal. I was just rejoicing with him. And later that day, I texted him, and I said, Dave, was there anything different about your stride when you ran this week or when you ran this mile in under five minutes? He said, yes, why do you ask? And then, then I told him, I said, here's what the Lord was speaking to me all week. And he said, Josh, my coach came in person and he helped train me this week and he was observing my, my stride and he told me to stride out. Mm. I changed my, my running technique this week to stride out more and everything was easier. My, the way my feet, so <laughs> getting a little bit of chills, but the Lord was in that. That was a rhema. So there was an example of where the Lord just, you know, and maybe I was disobedient. Maybe I was supposed to tell him. I don't know. Um, but it was cool to see how God had done that thing unbeknownst to either of us, um, situationally and circumstantially. Which, I, and I do want to take a minute here uh, because there's a, and maybe some people shy away from this idea because, in a sense, it's something that is is uh, open for abuse. Does that make yeah. sense? Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. So any, <laughs> anytime somebody comes to me, and maybe this just is a personality defect, but if somebody comes to me and says, hey, God wants you to know, like, that's it. for yeah. me, that's an immediate red flag. Oh, yeah. not, maybe not red flag isn't the right word. Yeah. But but just because I mean maybe a yellow caution a, a caution flag it's yeah. a caution flag because God can give people a word of knowledge mm-hmm. and 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 they can speak into your life but we still have to uh, in a sense take that and test it test it against Scripture right absolutely I mean, so 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 uh, you know you're yeah. not going to get a rhema that contradicts the logo. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, the, no, they, they totally. are, are totally uh, in unity. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you, you do have to test and weigh this. Uh, and just because somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have a word uh, from the Lord for you, uh, yeah, maybe it's we have cynical, three. We but. have three, three ways to actually, you know, God gives us a sieve in the Logos to take ramas. Yeah, so when I say sieve, what do I mean? I mean like a coffee filter. Like the word of God is this coffee filter. And I'm going to take the ram, I'm going to drop it in there. Whatever comes out the bottom is truly from God. 
So we see in 1 Corinthians, Paul says to test a, a, word, of, a word from me to you from the Lord is, is a prophecy. It's a prophetic word. A rhema that God gives me, a word of knowledge, is a prophetic word is what the Bible says. All prophecy falls into three categories, encouragement, edification, or rebuke. So if it so doesn't, if it doesn't do, one do one of those things. Like, for instance, <laughs> if I were to come to someone and say, the Lord spoke to me, Josh, tomorrow at 2 p.m., you're going to get hit by a bus. What the? Well, crap. <laughs> that is not encouraging. That is not edifying. Uh, that, that does, that's bad. You can say, yeah. I had someone come to me one time, Josh, and say, the Lord has spoken to me, and your spirit animal is a fox. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, maybe. What does that actually, I, I don't see anywhere. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that God's real worried about spirit animals. That uh, is in the book of Spartacus. <laughs> That's right. And when you read that, you should interpret it through the lens of uh, first hesitation. Yes. Be real hesitant to us. Yes. Uh, you know. So the Logos, I love the way you said that. The, the rhema always has to be, it has to be perfectly in line with the, with the logos. And one of the biblical examples we see is Balaam. Mm. You know, when, when a king who was an enemy of Israel asked Balaam to come and curse the people of Israel, <laughs> Balaam's like, sure thing, I can do that. Then when he goes to curse the people of Israel, he speaks blessing over them because it was the word that God had spoken to him. The king gets ticked off. Balaam's like, oh, so why, can, do, why are you blessing them? I, you I to, told you to curse them. I paid them. you to curse them. Balaam's like, I can't speak anything but the words that God has given me. So there's an example of a rhema matching the logos. You also have, I mean, maybe this is a little bit of a rabbit trail. You have, um, oh, bugger, is it in First or Second Kings? You have, you, have this, you have this account, this narrative of, a prophet, right? And, and God has told this prophet, hey, um, you've delivered your message. Now leave. Don't, don't stay. Don't talk to anybody. Right. Boogie on out of town. Right. Well, there's another prophet yes. in town who comes to the you know, prophet number yes. one and says, yes. says hey, uh, the Lord told me to tell you to come home and have dinner and stay in my house and, and, and do all this stuff. Yeah. And so the first prophet goes, but then, but then while he's there, the, the second prophet is actually given another message that says, hey, because you didn't actually follow what I told you, yeah. uh, you're going to get, like, eaten by a lion. I mean, some random. It was bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you yeah. have to be careful when, when you have other people come in and say, oh, well, no, this is what. Yeah. I mean, so, so does it contradict Scripture? And does it, does it go against uh, character and nature of God? Well, the character and nature of God, but also if, if you have clearly been given direction by God, mm-hmm. right? Be, be really hesitant of somebody coming in and, and telling you to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. We see this play out with Paul yeah. in the early church, right? Like yes. he says, hey, I'm, I'm called to go to Jerusalem. And you have people come and say, no, like, yep. you, know, you know, they're doing all this symbolism yep. of like, oh, you're going to be bound. And, and, and Paul's like, no, this is what God has called me to. Yep. And you have, you have church leaders trying to talk Paul out of what mm-hmm. God had called and in another to. example, Paul was going uh, to one city, and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go to this city. You go to this city. And he went. Right. So, and, and that's where, I mean, yeah. again, where you, you want to follow that direction of Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yes, he can use people. Yes. Uh, I mean, we, we can learn and grow and be challenging community, um, but, but test mm-hmm. everything. I think, too, be, be ready that as you open the logos, as you open the physical Bible, begin to ask God for those ramas. Mm. You know, uh, I want to hear something that I can take today and do something with it, right? And that's where we kind of turn the corner from 
from accountability and reading to engagement. Engagement, I believe, is taking a rhema from the word of God and sharing it with another brother or sister in Christ, but most importantly, applying it to my own life. So when I read the scriptures, I'm asking God for a rhema every time. God, I want, I need you to do something in my life as I'm reading your written word. No, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So on that note, in your message, you cite research, uh, the Center for Bible Engagement. Yep. Uh, you know, they surveyed a, a boatload of people. Yes. And they came back with these results. They said, you know, there are a whole bunch of great correlations if you engage with Scripture four times a week. Yes. Staggering. Now, real, just real quick, because I think you and I actually talked about this the last episode that we did together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be really careful of these quantitative, like, oh, hey, like... Check I, boxes. I, you know, I tithe... Two percent, which technically wouldn't be a tithe, because <laughs> a tithe is ten percent. But anyways, you know. But hey, I I gave I gave two percent of my right. income. I you know I read the Bible a couple of times this week. I I prayed at dinner every night. Right. You know we we want to be careful of those things. Yeah. So how how is this different? Like how how is this not just a, a, a quantitative uh, check checklist kind of. Yeah, you know, I think the quantitative side of, of Christianity is really limited because it does require judgment uh, from your own perceptions or the judgment of others, you know. Um, I think a qualitative measurement is a better way to measure engagement. So what do we mean by qualitative? Quality, right, the quality of it. So if I'm engaging in the scriptures up to four times or more per week, what is that actually doing in my life? Am I loving my wife more? Am I being a better dad to my kids? Am I being a better neighbor? Uh, in my personal context, am I pastoring better? Um, so for me, the qualitative uh, side of Bible engagement is fruit, is good results. Like, like uh, in the business world, we call this ROI, return on investment. So if I don't see um, uh, those sorts of sorts of ROI in my Bible engagement, what that's actually telling me, Josh, is I'm probably not actually engaging in the Bible. I'm doing what you just said. I'm just tick boxing things. If there's not good fruit, fruit's the fruit's the the ultimate spiritual barometer in the world God's given us. Fruit, right? And that, I I mean, that, fruit, that, that imagery is, I mean, that's woven through. I mean, Jesus talks yes. about how he's the he's the, the he's vine the vine dresser. The branches, yes. and Paul uses the fruit of the spirit. I mean, yes, yes. So that, that fruit. Uh, pictures woven throughout. If you want to judge something in your life or another person's life, look at fruit. Don't look at the doing. Don't look at the quantitative things. Oh, that person doesn't do this. They don't do this. Look at the qualitative. Are they more like Jesus? You know, are they loving? Are they caring people? Are they giving people? Because that's how Jesus was. Mm. Um, If you see that good fruit of righteousness uh, that is as a result of real legitimate Bible engagement, then that's a person you want to talk to. You know, the proof is in the pudding. Jesus says in Luke 7, 35, wisdom is justified by her children. <laughs> you know, the proof is in the pudding. Right. You know, uh, I don't need to tell you. You can come and ask me if you see the good in my life. So with this, right, I mean, when you, when you look at research, right, it, it, you always have to be a little bit careful to, uh, to not assign causation to something just because they're connected. Right. So, that's right. When it comes to this research from the Center for Bible Engagement, and this is, you know, based on what you've read, based on your experience, mm-hmm. do you think engaging scripture has a causal effect 
you know, because you talked about, I mean, hey, you're, um, and I'm not, I'm going to, you guys will go to the, the radiantlife.church slash media, unless you remember all the percentages. But I mean, yeah. they were like, you know, you're yeah. 32% less likely to be angry. Yes. Uh, you're going to. 61% less uh, pornography, 57% less alcoholism. Uh, there was a ton of data. And then and there were some positives. Like, yeah. I mean, like 407% more likely to memorize scripture, 228% uh, more likely to disciple others. Um, crazy, crazy stats. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so when you look at those things, which uh, shout out to JB for memorizing, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I remember one of them. <laughs> I remember one of them. Um, you know, when you look at that, do you think, well, I read scripture or I engage with scripture. Therefore, right. I'm, you know, if, if I had been looking at porn, I'm less likely to. Right. If I was an alcoholic, now I'm I'm less likely to continue in that. Right. Um, you know, I wasn't discipling other people. Now, because I'm engaging in scripture, right. I'm more likely to. Right. Is it causal or is it that people who are discipling other people, people who aren't looking at porn, people who aren't alcoholics, they're more likely to have a habit of reading scripture? I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. I, I think it's both. And I think what we're probably talking about is more methodology. Like what, you know, basically the question, if I read my Bible four times a week, will I stop drinking? Mm. Probably. 57% of the, 50% uh, uh, of people who did. But then maybe, yeah. th maybe like you were saying though, it's, it's not just like, oh, hey, like I'm going to, yeah. okay, I read, I read uh, two verses today. Like, why yeah. am I still drinking eight beers? Right. You know, like, I mean, there's versus, an obedience. Like, there's a, yeah. So I think as we read the word of God, it, it does kind of s sort of spur on obedience. And there's also, you know, like we read in Psalm 119, 11, uh, David said, uh, your word I've hidden in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you. So there, there's a, not only a reading of the scripture, but then an application and obedience to the scripture. In obedience, but then there's also, I mean, it, believe it or not, and guess what, folks? This is all connected. <laughs> So, so David says, hey, I've hidden your word in my heart, which, I mean, we would, we would consider, I mean, one aspect of that, the way this has been applied in every situation I've been in is, like, you memorize, right. like, you digest, you, you meditate on Scripture, which isn't like, oh, meditate, it's, it's like to think on and to mm -hmm. chew on and to, and to kind of constantly keep in mind right. Scripture. So we hide his word in his heart so that we might not sin against God. When we hide God's word in our heart, when we, when we get that into our system, then Holy Spirit can, in a sense, leverage that in these rhema yes. type. I mean, we would say, and if you've been through yes. Next Steps and you've done the homework, um, you've probably heard Pastor Brandon talk about Kairos moments, mm -hmm. which actually your daughter Lily tells me that I say that wrong. She says I pronounce Kairos wrong. So Lily Brown, if you if you watch or listen, what does she you know? <laughs> she actually so total total rabbit trail. So in in our high school group, yeah. I had her teach people the the circle. Oh, you know because yeah, she she, she knows, knows the, the Kairos yeah. circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and but she said I pronounce it. But I say lots of words wrong is what I'm told. Uh, <laughs> I'm not from around here. Apparently, I have a I have a. A middle you, Michigan. You do have accent. a different way of saying certain words, definitely. But <laughs> this might be a whole other podcast, but I want to throw this out there just based on what you said. Part of the new covenant, if we look in the book of Ezekiel, right? The law and the word of God 
was on tablets of stone. We all know the story, right? It was the Ten Commandments, Moses coming down the mountain, and he's got these, these Ten Commandments. In Ezekiel, we, we, we learn about a new covenant that takes place in the life of the believer. In this new covenant, what it says, no longer will I write these laws on your heart of stone, but I'll write them on a heart of flesh. So my belief is that in this new covenant faith in Jesus, all of the Bible all of God's laws and his ways for our lives are written on our hearts. And the rhema takes place as we engage the physical word of God and the word of God that's inside of us with the partnership of the Holy Spirit. Right. Which I mean, is a rhema. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with the Holy Spirit within us. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you could, you can make the argument, well, I have Holy Spirit living with me. Why do I even need scripture? Ooh, there's a good question. Mm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good question. Sure. I'll put that on. I mean, because I'm not saying that we don't need scripture, but... If you're like me and you and you think a little bit more on the cynical side, uh, sometimes, right? You say, "Well, hey, yeah. if we have Holy Spirit, if Holy right. Spirit can can guide me, if He writes that law on my heart, right? You know, why do I need Scripture? Sure. Well, and, that, and it's the same question of why people would say, "Hey, if God already knows everything that I think and say, why do I need to pray?" Right? Uh, because God is infinite, mm. and we are not. We're finite creatures. And so I think the, the, the need for prayer and the need for study is because we're really forgetful people. Like the Holy Spirit is not, uh, we're not automatons either. We're not robots. Like he doesn't force himself ever on us. It's a partnership. It's a relationship that we have with God. So our part in that relationship is to engage the written word of God and the Holy Spirit's going to do his work. You know, we know that two of the functions of the Holy Spirit in chapters, uh, John chapters 14 through 16, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you mm. of all things that I have said to you and I'm going to convict the world of sin. So the Holy Spirit does those two things in our lives as we open the word. Oh, that yeah, Jesus said this is actually how I'm supposed to treat my neighbor. Jesus said, mm, I, I'm not allowed to do this. This is not best for my life. So we mm. won't know that until we engage the word of God. No, that's good. That's good. Which, I mean, and to bounce back, you know, we talked about, we, we referenced the research four times a week and you see significant change. Yeah. But it was maybe a little bit sobering for some of the people that, that watched or listened to the message yesterday. Yeah. Um, one time, engage, and this is engaging scripture one time a week. So maybe you're like, you're, it's not just like, oh, like I read a verse of the day. Cool. Yeah. You might really be engaging, but one time a week, no change in your life. Zero. Two times a week. Zero. Zero. <laughs> no change. Three times a week. It was, a, it was a, like a tick, like a minuscule tick. Maybe uh, you, you'll finally uh, pick up your socks, guys, and put them in the hamper like your <laughs> wife has asked you. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. <laughs> Which maybe there are some wives out there saying, that would be, that would yeah. be a good place to Where's start. Where's that verse in the Bible? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> godliness is next to, or cleanliness is next to godliness. Oh, boy. Not in the oh Bible. Oh, boy. Not in the Bible. That's right. We did a, now, I don't remember how long ago, was, I don't know, all time blends together, but we did a series about things that people think are in the Bible, yes. and they really aren't. Yes. That's one of them. We ought to do an episode of the podcast yeah. about that, because, yeah, godliness is next to, yeah. cleanliness is next to godliness. That's yeah. something, I, you always heard that growing up, like, hey, wash your hands, because cleanliness is next to godliness. So like, uh. <laughs> it's rooted in scripture, but it isn't specifically said in scripture. Right, right. <laughs> So maybe that'll be a whole nother podcast too. <laughs> All right. So for the person who's listening or the person who's watching, 
And 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 really, like they they know, or you know, coming off of the message yesterday, or listening to this podcast, I mean, they're they're convicted. Say, mm-hmm. you know what? I I have a dull knife. Yeah. And and I want to sharpen my knife. I don't know where to start. Yeah. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I I would say it, it starts with making a decision. Right. You're going to choose right now. This is what I'm going to do. The the data doesn't lie. I'm going to engage the Word of God four times a week. So. Uh, depending on where your background is, I, you know, I encourage people to use the version app. It's free. It has a ton of great stuff in it. I use the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson's uh, Message Bible, and I read the Bible in a year. That's my practice every day, seven days a week. Um, and then I also listen to a lot of material, Bible teaching. Um, I'm in a small group with a worship team. The worship team, uh, we... Most of the time right now, we're in a little bit of a pause, but we go through a book together and we talk with one another. I have a couple of older gentlemen that are, you know, one is close to 80. The other gentleman is in his late 60s, mentors in my life. I try to meet with them once a month and just tell them, hey, here's what my 41-year-old self thinks. (laughs) What do you guys say? Um, But I think ultimately, if you're watching this or you're listening to this um, and you haven't seen the message, uh, Radiant Life has a very uh, specific vehicle to help you engage the Bible. Accountability, reading, and Bible engagement happen at Radiant Life Church. Uh, First, through next steps. So this is a process where you get to know uh, Pastor Ryan. You get to know kind of the history behind the church. Uh, You get to know the direction that we're headed as a church. What do we believe about certain things? Um, And then coming out of next steps, we want to see you... um, choose to serve somewhere in the church and then get a part of a life group. Life groups are these small community groups in the church that focus on all kinds of things, uh, but accountability is there. Um, definitely Bible reading is there or a book study of some kind, mm-hmm. um, which, which ultimately that life group is Bible engagement. Uh, so for the listener or viewer, connect with Pastor Brandon Kinsey, our next steps in community pastor. Find out how you can take next steps either in person or coming soon, digitally, online. We're going to have an online Next Steps experience very soon. Um, And if you've already been through Next Steps, get into a life group. Don't do life alone. We say that all the time. Don't do life alone. Get into a life group and be committed. Be transparent. Do the things that you need to do to uh, be fruitful in your walk with Jesus. Yeah, and and earlier we referenced this, this Kairos uh, moment. This there's a shape that goes with this, and actually, if you go through next steps, Pastor Brandon does a does a teaching on this. Uh, this is something I know it it, it might blow your mind, um, yeah. but there but there are a couple of really cool uh, tools that Pastor Brandon lays out within the next steps uh, system for you. And I would say this, dude, even if you went through next steps, one of the first couple of times we've done it, go through it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've this is something that that yeah. as we've uh, as we've done it. Again and again and again, uh, we've refined the process yeah. uh, to where the, the experience you have now uh, probably looks a little bit different than when you went through it the first time. Mm-hmm. So, and it's kind of like scripture, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just like, hey, well, I read that, right? I read that chapter and verse one time. Yeah. I, I'm good forever. Yeah. Lord willing, when we're recording episode one thousand of this podcast, next steps will be different then. Yeah, you know, we're ever growing and ever changing uh, as a ministry. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, for those of you that are watching, those of you that are listening, sharpen up and engage with Scripture. Take that next step. What does it look like for you to implement this engagement four times a week? 
Uh, and, and Pastor Josh mentioned uh, the, the Version app. They've got all kinds of devotionals on there. You've got all kinds of options. If you have any questions, you can email us. If you're like, man, I don't, even, I don't know where to start, even with you guys talking about this, email us, podcast at theradiantlife.church. We would love to engage. If you're interested in Next Steps yeah. or Life Groups, yep. email brandon at theradiantlife.church. And uh, he'll, uh, he'll connect you with where you need to be. But other than that, thanks, yeah. for, thanks for anything else you want to throw Well, hey, there. I want to encourage you guys. Pastor Ryan did this uh, last Sunday from stage. Uh, it really helps us with this podcast and this video. If you would review this podcast in whatever platform you're listening or viewing on, give us five stars, would you? Unless you think we suck. Yeah. Then, it, you know, then. But it, maybe talk to us first, you know, <laughs> uh, but a review and, and sharing this podcast and, and the, the best way to stay current with Radiant Reflections and uh, the church's uh, Bible teaching that happens every week is by subscribing to this podcast. And you can do that uh, through any of the platforms uh, that you might use if you are... Um, uh, a good and decent person with an Apple phone. Uh, <laughs> I did it. All my Android people aren't here. But really, uh, subscribing, reviewing, and rating on, on whatever platform and sharing this. Take this podcast and this video, post it to your, your Facebook page. You know, post a link uh, uh, there. That really helps people uh, to engage with what we're doing. And then, and then uh, and maybe you already said it, but subscribe. You know, whether, yes. whether you're watching the video on YouTube, subscribe to our uh, The Radiant Life Church YouTube channel, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I know I, I subscribe to a variety of podcasts, you know, on my, on my Apple device. Same here. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so go ahead, and then you'll, you'll be able to stay up to date with all the, the latest content that we put. It there. is in Google Play Store, just yeah, I mean, for the Android you, users, for it's there. Are... <laughs> it's there. You can get to it. We don't know how. That's right. How would you even do that? I, I, don't, I don't. You probably have to download forty-seven probably programs to, to no. <laughs> hey, we love you, even if you use an Android phone. Yes, we yeah. we're are we split like our staff? Probably half and half. No. Oh, because because Ken, I think Kinsey's the only. No, Android. he's not. Kinsey and Pam, Amy, I think they're all Android. Well, but I think Pam. I think most of her family just converted. They got uh. saved. <laughs> Anyways, wherever you listen to Radio Reflections, thank you for joining us for episode 20. 20, that's dude, it's crazy. It's We've done momentous. 20 episodes. And that's like so almost I wish I had like hours. a little confetti popper. Boop. You know, we have some somewhere. Do we? That'd be, we should have done that. But <laughs> We'll do it at 100. How about there, that? 100 would be there like, we whoa. We'll have a party. Maybe when yeah. we do episode 100, we'll do, a, we'll do like a live we should do episode 100. We should, we should do, do a like top a live fan. Whoever the top fan is, they get a seat here and get to be a guest person on our podcast. Ooh, how do we determine the top fan? I don't know. There's probably uh, there's probably something that we could something. Do. We'll figure yeah. something out. Yeah. We've got we've got 80 <laughs> episodes to get there. <laughs> but hey, we hope that you have a blessed day. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. 
That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.